Hi, everybody. I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Michael Zabersky, co-founder of Consulting Success. Michael has spent the last 20 years helping people make the leap from employee to small business owner. And having piloted several ventures of his own, he knows what it takes to succeed. He joins me on the show today to share the steps you need to make to transition to a soloist or small business owner, he explains how imposter syndrome could be holding you back, and also why you need to embrace fear, failure, and purpose. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. It's great to have you with me. It's really great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Now, what I'm very keen to know is you have worked with hundreds of people over the years, helping them make the jump from working for someone else to working for themselves. What is generally the impetus for someone to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, it can be many reasons. Uh, A few that are quite common is wanting to realize your potential. So if you're working for somebody else and you're feeling that there's more inside of you, you can accomplish more, you can achieve more, you want to make a greater impact. And whether it's your boss or industry regulations, uh, there's often something that is causing you to feel like you're not able to to do as much as you can. Uh, And so that's one big reason. Another one that is very common is uh, desiring greater freedom and flexibility. So kind of being a a master of your own calendar, uh, being able to, pre-COVID, it was being able to work from home uh, or or travel and work. And that certainly has become much more common, regardless of whether you're you're employed or you're running your own thing. But just really being able to to manage your own schedule, um, to work, you know, where you want, when you want, to take on projects and uh, and engage with with people or brands, companies, uh, but ultimately it's it's people that you enjoy working with. Um, and then another one is re- uh, relating to your your income, not having a ceiling, regardless of you know how long you've been in an organization. Uh, at some point, you might find that there isn't much more room for you to grow. You've you've kind of conquered all the mountains that you can within the company or within your industry, uh, and and you don't want to be held back anymore. You want to keep climbing, and so that often requires you to to do things differently. Uh, and that can then lead to going out on your own so that you can accomplish all those things as well as many more by yourself. Okay, so I'm sitting at home. I'm, I've been working from home, so I've got more flexibility, uh, but I've got a great idea. I'm a little bit unsure where to go next. What would be the first steps you would suggest to someone that's making that transition? Yeah, so if, if we're talking about specifically the uh, the consulting landscape, which is where I've spent the last couple decades, uh, it, just to make a distinction, it would be different than if you were looking to sell something online. And the main difference would be that if you were trying to, let's say, run an e-commerce store or something of that nature, you might go about running some advertisements, testing some different things to to see what works on the online landscape. But if you are in the professional services world, if you're looking to engage with and, and help and work with other organizations, whether for-profit or non-profit, whether big or small, uh, ultimately the most important step that you want to take is to have conversations. And so this is something that you can you can and should do even while you are still employed. Uh, and it, it, it might be your existing employer. It might be previous employers, might be people that you know in the industry. It might also include reaching out to people that you have 
no direct connection with, but you receive a referral or introduction, or you just kind of go cold. You just reach out to an industry association uh, or some other potential ideal client, not with the goal or idea to sell, but rather to validate your, you know, your hypothesis, to get feedback on the landscape, to uh, hear in your future ideal client's actual words, what challenges are they currently facing? What are their problems? Where do they see opportunities? Uh, where do they see the landscape in the future of their industry and, and business? So that you can really start to identify, confirm, and validate whether what you believe is the potential kind of future business that you will create, whether it has legs, whether it has an opportunity. Uh, you want to know what are you kind of going down the right path? Are you completely potentially going in the wrong direction? Regardless, this feedback cycle, this opportunity to, to get really valuable data uh, and feedback and validation from the market is so critical, so important before you go out. And this is very common even in the startup world. You know, Before you launch a business idea, you want to get that feedback so that you don't launch and all of a sudden find out that what you thought people wanted is not what they want at all. Yeah, that testing and learning is is essential in those the early days. Definitely. So what would you say that if someone's feeling a bit risk adverse, you've said go out to try and validate your ideas, you've got the, the good feedback, you think you've found a problem that needs solving or a challenge that has created a little hole for, that you could make a, a business out of, what would be the next step? Yeah, I mean, for just to address the risk adverse um by nature, many consultants are risk averse. Uh, and so there's two approaches to transitioning from employment to the world of, of consulting or to starting your own, your own business. And the first is you go all in, you kind of burn the boats uh, and you have to make it, you have to make it work right in, in that case. Uh, and that's, that can work for some people because they are motivated by a deadline. They are motivated by, hey, if I don't make this work, I'm not putting food on the table. Uh, but that, that's not going to be the right approach for, for everyone, especially if you don't have uh, some, some cash uh, or, or savings or if you, you have people that are dependent on you, that may not be the wise choice. And so that's why we often recommend and uh, we've guided and, and worked with many people who still have a job right now, but know that they want to get into the world of consulting, they want to make that transition successfully and in a smooth manner, uh, it's to start planting the seeds and taking the steps while you are still employed. And so uh, then what you'll start to have happen is you're starting to get more experience, you're, you're having conversations, you're validating, and you'll likely start to actually generate some uh, clients and business while you still have your full-time job. Uh, and then that will increase your level of confidence, uh, your certainty, and allow you to make the transition when the time is right. And where would you stand in terms of speaking to your, your employer about this? If, say, you, you have kicked off a little side hustle and you're considering yeah. going out on your own, do you think you should be upfront with your employer about it from the beginning? Uh, I do. So, I mean, w one thing that we should definitely put out there is that this is certainly not legal advice. And depending on your employment contract and other such factors, uh, you may navigate this differently based on your situation. But typically, the advice that I often uh, provide and, and share with clients is to involve your employer in the conversation before you even start consulting, before you start that side hustle. Uh, so again, as long as you are able to do so, you might go off and start your side hustle. But I would actually recommend to involve your employer uh, in that conversation earlier. And the way to position this conversation is not to say, 
hey, you know, Mr. Ms. or whoever employer, uh, I'm going to go off and start consulting or start my own business, uh, you know, because that can be threatening to the employer. Instead, what we found to work very well is to simply position that you're thinking about doing this. Here's kind of what your thoughts are. What do they think? You really value their opinion. You'd love to know what thoughts they have. Uh, and now it becomes a collaboration uh, and you can get very good feedback from your employer. And even if your employer says something along the lines of, no, don't do that. You know, that's a terrible idea. Uh, you should, you should certainly not, you know, like don't leave the, the safety and security that you have in this job. So even if they're completely against the idea, that's still great information for you to have because now you know that your current employer is not going to be that supportive of you making the transition and you can plan around that. But what often happens is if you've navigated that, con that conversation in the right way, the, the, your employer can actually become your first client. Uh, in a study that we did where we asked, um, we actually had about almost 3,000 consultants take part in, in, this, in this actual survey, over 50% of people said that their previous employer was their first client. Uh, and so keeping those relationships with your employers uh, strong is, is a really great asset to have. Uh, and so if you have that conversation and you talk about how you might be able to still help the organization, even if you were doing things uh, on your own. And so rather than having to pay you a full-time salary and all the benefits and all the other stuff that comes with it, what if you could actually help them to achieve the outcome that they want, uh, you know, in, in a much uh, more kind of cost efficient way. And so that can actually create your first consultant client uh, opportunity if you navigate that, that conversation appropriately. Was that the case for you? Were you were you in a job and then your your boss became your first client? No. So um, I've worked. So I, I've been building consulting businesses and kind of in this area for almost going on twenty three years. I started well, actually, while I was still in university, uh, and to that point, I had worked in a few part time jobs. But even as as a young kid, you know, I, I started quite early working. Uh, everything from um, secondhand sporting goods stores to laying laying sod or or, or grass, uh, working in electrical warehouses, working in my stepfather's uh, electronics store, selling Cutco knives. Some people might know of that, uh, and just doing all kinds of random jobs to make money to be able to travel and and to do the things that I wanted to do. But I've I've ne actually never had a quote unquote you know formal full time employment role. I started out of uh, you know, out of uh, high school into university, getting right into entrepreneurship uh, and started my, my first business with my cousin and still today business partner, Sam, uh, at that time. So how did you discover what your passion was? You said you're, you know, going from job to job and it was mainly about funding your travels. When did you realize that going into business for yourself and coaching and consulting was the thing that you were passionate about? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I started, there was a, a point where I just started to read a lot. I became very interested in, in business, uh, in, in psychology, uh, sales, marketing, uh, and just the, the idea of kind of, you know, freedom and, uh, and wealth creation and things of that, of that nature, uh, while at the same time being very interested in, in traveling. And so, uh, I had this desire to actually go and spend time in Asia, uh, which was subsequently where we built one of our businesses in Japan. I was there for about five or six years. But as I was reading a lot and studying, I started having conversations with different business owners 
Uh, and what I realized very quickly is that many business owners, whether they were lawyers or other consulting firm owners or retail stores, they had expertise. So I take the take the lawyer, right? Knew the law very, very well, understood, understood personal injury and things of that nature, but they had no idea how to market their business. And so I was accumulating this knowledge. I wasn't at that time putting it into practice, but through my conversations, I would ask questions and I would realize that there was an opportunity for them. And so I would suggest something or they would say, hey, do you think you could help me with that? Uh, and so I fell into, you could say, a laboratory where I could experiment through these different relationships and was able to find through trial and error that what I was learning and then by applying it and adjusting it, uh, I could actually make it work very well for other people. And so that was how we started off building these different businesses uh, and really putting what I was studying into practice. And then that's when you really see whether something works or, or doesn't work. And then fast forward, you know, uh, about a decade after that of uh, running uh, our own con consulting businesses and selling a couple of businesses, we decided to start sharing uh, what we were learning, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the, the trials uh, and, and errors uh, of the consulting world and our own experiences uh, at consultingsuccess.com. And that's kind of where for the last 13 years, we've we really focus on helping consultants all around the world, you know, to accelerate their success. And when you talk about accelerating success, how much of that is helping people overcome their fear of success and also their their imposter syndrome? You know, so many people yeah. are great at what they do, but they just think that, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> the little right. voice, that, that terrible little voice at the back of their head that goes, oh, you're terrible. They just can't silence it. What, what's your advice in regards to that? Yeah, I mean, probably 99% of people have that voice going on. It's 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 more normal to have it than than it, than it is not to have it. Um, it's so common, in fact, that uh, I wrote a book about this exact topic where I identified 16 different mindsets that are most common in the consulting work kind of world, or you know, being a consultant, being a consulting business owner, that, that tend to hold people back. And what I observed was that you could have someone who knows what they need to do. They have the skills, they have the expertise, they have the knowledge. Um, they even have maybe the strategy and the tactics in front of them because they've studied different things or whatever it might be, but they're still not getting the results that they want. And the question that I was kind of wrestling with was why, why is that? Why do some people achieve a lot more than others, even when those, those who struggle know what they need to do and they, they have the same access to information. And what I realized many years ago is that the, the difference is mindset. Uh, and so that's what I explored in the book, The Elite Consulting Mind. But it's so common. I mean, these these are things that I think all of us go through. And the more that we do them, the more that we start to realize what we need to do to navigate them. So that that fear of what happens if I take action and fail? Or what if I launch this and there's no response? Or what if I try to increase my pricing and someone says no to me? Uh, am I really good enough to do this? There's other people who are more successful than me. You know, what makes me uh, the per you know the right person to to go and do this? These are all questions that come up in our minds, and there's multiple other ones. But as you start to recognize that the way to grow is not by trying to perfect things. Instead, it's it's about taking what we call imperfect action. And our clients hear hear us say this a lot, but it's it's the key to learning very quickly what works and doesn't work. And if you view a quote unquote failure as exactly that, then you're less likely to take action because you're gonna try and avoid it. But if you learn, or I would say, uh, uh, rephrase it, if you view the potential failure as a learning opportunity, then you lean into it and you recognize that 
even if things aren't perfect, even if you don't have all the answers, as long as you have a path, a direction, a plan, you can start moving towards that and you'll learn what works and what doesn't work. And if something works, fantastic, do more of it. If something doesn't work, ask yourself, okay, you know, what adjustments do I need to make to test again and see better results? And when you do that consistently, you're able to make pretty rapid improvements uh, and ultimately really accelerate, you know, from where you are right now to the destination that you want to reach. So what would be the first step if you do have this mindset that is really challenging you and inhibiting you from from putting your best self forward? What would be your first step to say to someone that they yeah, can do so, like something something immediate mm, that they could do? There's several things that the people could do. The, the first that I would say is take whatever it is that is holding you back right now. And instead of focusing on the action that you need to take, you know what you need to do, but ask yourself why, why are you doing this? So I'll give you an example. One of our clients who had transitioned from a very successful corporate role into starting her own consulting business, knew that she needed to do more marketing, knew she needed to do more outreach, more follow-up, but oftentimes she'd say, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting to it, even though I know that I need to. And so I asked her a question. I said, well, why did you leave your cushy, comfortable corporate, you know, high paying job to start your own consulting business? And she said, because I want to spend more time with my kids. I, I want to be there for them. And I said, okay, so the next time that you know that you need to be doing your marketing, doing your outreach, doing more follow-up, I want you to just think about your kids. I want you to think about the reason why you're doing this. And, uh, and, and that was all she needed in her case. And so after that point, she never looked back and took that action because she wasn't initially wasn't clear on her why. So when she uh, was looking at the actions that she had to take in front of her, those were things that there was fear around. They, were, they weren't comfortable. No one likes to, like no one wakes up out of bed and, and goes, oh, I can't wait to follow up with these people today. And I can't wait to send these emails or make these phone calls. Or, right? No one wants to do that. But if you start positioning it around, okay, the reason I need to do these things is for this. Like this is my why. That, that'll really give you the, the nudge to, to move forward. And once you start doing it, it becomes easier. So that would be number one. The second thing that I would encourage people to do is to surround yourself with those who have achieved what you want to achieve, as well as those that are also working towards what you want. So being part of a community or having a coach or a mentor or whatever kind of format that comes in is exceptionally powerful because it tends to provide a lot of motivation and inspiration. And when you see what others have been able to achieve, that you might maybe right now are looking at, looking at going like, oh, that's that doesn't even seem possible. Like you're not, your mind's not even there because you're thinking small. You're just thinking in your own little world and bubble. But now you start to meet people who not only have achieved what you're thinking about achieving, but they're maybe five or 10 steps ahead of you. And they tell you, oh, I remember when I was exactly where you are. And now you all of a sudden connect the dots and see, oh, that's possible for me. So that inspiration, that motivation can really help you to overcome. Uh, and then just understanding imperfect action, that nothing is perfect. If you wait for things to be just right, You'll be waiting far too long. You'll be missing out on opportunities uh, and you'll be doing, doing a disservice to the market that you actually want to serve because there's people out there that have problems right now that could use your expertise, your knowledge and experience. Uh, and if you're being quote unquote selfish by not wanting to get out into the marketplace because you're you know, afraid of failure, you can't help those people. But those are people that not only like they want your help and you want to help them. So if you're not letting them know that you exist, it's a disservice to them and it's a disservice to your business. Is it something that you had a challenge of when you started out? Like is imposter sy syndrome something that you were familiar with personally? So I was in my early 20s uh, in Japan 
uh, running uh, one of our businesses there. I'd, I'd set up the branch office. Uh, and I, my, I spoke some Japanese, but certainly was not fluent at, at that point. I would go into boardrooms in large multi-billion dollar organizations that I had been brought in through different connections and relationships that I, I had made over there. Uh, and so I'm, I'm the youngest person in the room by far, sometimes 30, 40 years uh, younger than, than others. I don't speak the language. I'm the only white guy. Um, you know, did, did I have imposter syndrome? Did I feel a little bit out of my, you know, my league? 100%. Uh, did I have experiences where I felt like I got punched in the stomach uh, and started to question is, is, you know, am I really made out to, to be here? Maybe I should just go back, you know, to where I came from. Maybe I should just, you know, focus on something else. Of course. But what separates, I think, those who struggle from those who succeed or those who have big dreams and goals and realize them and, and those that don't is that when you encounter that resistance and you encounter those challenges, because we all have them, it doesn't matter whether you run, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollar business, a million dollar business, a one billion dollar business. We all have challenges, and what separates those who struggle from those who succeed is what actions do you take and what mindset do you have? What do you think about? What do you focus on when you're in those moments where you're surrounded by fear? When you get punched in the gut, um, you know, do you get back up and keep moving forward, or or do you not? Uh, and so, yes, I've had many of those experiences, and I think we all do. It just really comes down to how do we process and think about those when they happen to us. Yeah, and uh, resist the flight. <laughs> Don't yes. run away from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay to feel that it's tough because it is. Um, you know, you, you, you want to process it. You want to learn from every experience that you have. But ultimately, you want to keep going. You want to get back up and and keep moving forward and you take the learnings that you have from what did not work out and what did and you apply it kind of to, you know to your you put it back into your database of knowledge and you keep moving forward and now when you're presented with a similar opportunity you have a whole new view and lens to view things through and that, that's why oftentimes when people talk about experience um how and how it can be so valuable that's really what it's all about is that you you can see a lot more than somebody who's brand new can see because you've confronted so many different situations, you know, during your journey. And always come back to your purpose, why why you're doing what you're doing. I think that's huge. It, um, and, and I know sometimes people feel that even just the word purpose or mission, uh, vision, that these are only for larger organizations. And I certainly used to think that myself as well. But the more that we've brought that into our team and that we've been working on this, uh, it's it's been so critical. And so I, I I don't think it matters whether you are a solo consultant or a solo business operator or, or owner, or you have a team around you, especially when you have a team around you, it does become even more important. But even as, as a solo individual, uh, it's critical to understand your why, because when you do confront those challenges or when those challenges confront you without you, without you even being prepared for them, you want to know why you're doing things. You want to have that clarity as to what you're working towards, because when the challenges come, the resistance is there, focusing on your why is what you're going to be able to use to pull you forward. Great advice. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure chatting with you this morning. I hope I can have a talk with you again sometime, given you've got such a busy schedule. Um, I'm going to be pressuring you to slot me in again in a few months' time if, if you, you're agreeable. It would be my absolute pleasure. I think our audience has a lot more that they could learn from your experience. Thank you so much.